faith, hope, inspiration, and edification. Welcome to the Edify Podcast with Billy Hallowell, a show that cuts through the cultural noise to explore the biggest headlines and issues of the day. Let's dive into today's show. Welcome to the Edify Podcast. I am Billy Hollowell. I'm excited for today's show. We are going to be talking about a whole bunch of interesting things, but the first topic on the agenda today is a headline that caught my eye. We, we actually had John MacArthur on this show a few weeks back, and you know the whole debacle and debate over Grace Community Church. That's his church out in California, and whether or not they are allowed to worship indoors. Now, John MacArthur and his church have been defying the government. The government has said, no, in California, no, you cannot have indoor church. They have continued to do that. On Thursday, there was an interesting development. The Los Angeles County Superior Court announced that there is actually no court order that prohibits the church from holding indoor services. So if you'll recall, and you you can go back a couple episodes and listen to John MacArthur in his own words to hear why the church had decided to defy government orders, but um, in this case, it seems like for now the victory is in their court. We'll have to see what happens next, but the church has no, again, no court order prohibiting them to meet in person on Sunday. So a very interesting, very interesting discussion, a lot of passionate views on both sides of that issue, one side feeling as though the government does have the right to protect people and tell churches and other large gatherings not to to gather, right, because of COVID. The other side saying, wait, 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 the government's not treating churches fairly, and this seems to be a little bit unequal in the way it's being applied. And so for now, again, looks like John MacArthur has won that battle. Now, another interesting story, and this is related, there is a study out of the UK saying that singing is actually no more of a risk to spreading COVID than talking. And that's interesting because we actually saw, again, in California, restrictions on singing in churches. We've seen this around the country, the fear that singing in choir practice, right, or singing with a large group of people would actually help spread COVID easier than talking. This study has come to some alternative findings on that, that there isn't as much of a spread potential as was previously assumed. Now, some experts say, wait a minute, we need more studies to be done. We need to understand how choirs work. This was a more limited study with, I think, just 25 singers um, who who went through this study with the University of Bristol to see, again, how the aerosols and droplets were generated and how viruses could spread. Um, So it's an interesting story, though. You've got some government crackdowns, right? You've got the government coming in and saying, no, you can't sing in church. No, please don't do that. And now you have researchers looking into that so we can get a better idea of what the science actually says. Now, there's another great story over on the Christian Post. This is about an Alabama church. They have come up with a totally different political campaign. It's the Jesus 2020 campaign, Um, and it's members of a church in Alabama. They launched this Jesus 2020 effort and put thousands of signs all over the place. They're popping up all over the country, and it's this small church. It's Sampy Memorial Baptist Church. It's in the small town of Raymer, Alabama, and that's located right outside of Montgomery, and they've set up this Jesus, Jesus 20, I'm sorry, Jesus 2020 campaign, and really it's interesting. Um, There was a Facebook post that explained it. It said, quote, we originated this idea so people would know that we believe this country and the whole world needs Jesus. I mean, you look at 2020, you look at where we are right now, we know for a fact, and we've always known this, but I think we're feeling it, 
we need Jesus more than I think a lot of us ever have felt we've needed Jesus in our lives in terms of our culture and where we are. And so more props to that church uh, for doing that. You can check the signs out and see a little bit more about what the campaign is all about if you head over to christianpost.com. Now, I want to transition here into our interview. We always have an interesting person on the show every week. We do a little news, and then we get into a conversation, and that is what I am passionate about. I love to sit down and talk with people, and one person who I've really come to admire over the years, he's he's really sort of a mentor uh, to me. I don't know if he knows that, but um, I think he might have an idea. His name is Joe Battaglia. Joe Battaglia is a thought leader, an author, a speaker, and he always has something insightful to say. And whenever there's there's sort of a mist of chaos going on in culture, I like to get together and have breakfast with Joe. I like to catch up with him because he has so much wisdom. He's worked in media for a very long time. And I mean, decades of experience as a as a host, a producer, a publicist, and an author, and he's got a new book out. It's called Make America Good Again, 12.5 Biblical Principles to Unite Our Nation, Restore True Greatness, and Reshape Our Political Rhetoric. I want to read that again because that, that subtitle is amazing to me. 12.5 Biblical Principles to Unite Our Nation, Restore True Greatness, and Reshape Our Political Rhetoric. I mean, that is what we need right now. And so it's this nifty little book, and um, I'd encourage you guys to go and grab that book. But Joe is going to join us in just a second here to talk about that book, to talk about really what he thinks it means to make America good again. So with no further ado, let's welcome Joe Battaglia to the show. Hey, Joe, how's it going today? Hey, Billy, I'm doing fine. Thank you. Well, always good I, to be with you. it's always good to have you. And I have in front of me a book and it is your new book. It's called Make America Good Again, uh, 12.5 Biblical Principles to Unite Our Nation, Restore True Greatness and Reshape Our Political Rhetoric. That is an amazing subtitle and great title. Um, <laughs> I, I love it. What what I guess I'll just start by asking what prompted you to write this? Because obviously, Make America Good Again, it's a play on a popular slogan we've heard over the last few years. <laughs> <laughs> really? Where'd you get that idea oh, from? I don't know. Um, <clears throat> well, <laughs> well, as you know, I like to write about faith and culture and the intersection of both of those. And uh, in our current day and age, I'm just disturbed by the lack of civility, the lack of uh, our media, um, not really going after what is true, but what is expedient to their ideology, which is frightening to a point, right? And so um, I have a saying where I believe that greatness is about achievement, but goodness is about character. Mm. And I think what we, are, we, what we have lost in our country is the moral character that made us who we were, despite the imperfections. You know, a society is only as good as the people that comprise it. And fallen, broken people will often be. And we're, and we're all, you know, things. we're all you know? sinners, right? Um, but, and I'm going to say but, but I don't mean but as though we're not. Exactly. We are, we're all sinners. But it seems like. You know, what we're experiencing, and you're speaking to this now, is kind of this, I guess Josh McDowell described it to me once as a profound lostness of truth. That's that's how he 
framed it. Is that truth? Yeah. Yeah. It's just that's a well that, that's well said. Truth is just not yeah, something well that we're led by now. And so so you um, you address this, you're addressing that here, I think. But this this word good, you know, make America good again, it does it makes you stop and think. You know, what is good? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it yeah, it, it does. And I think uh, the reality is that we have a moral freedom in our country that that it was founded upon that establishes what is right and true and good, um, again, despite our imperfections. And it's based in that uh, faith that we, uh, that we have and that was uh, evident when the Constitution and the Declaration were written and the people that lived it. And so the reality of how we look for that in our culture and in our world is what we're really uh, addressing here. And I take that, yes, based on, you know, the Make America Great Again slogan, but the Make America Good Again is also taken from that um, ill-attributed quote, really, to Alexis de Tocqueville, the French historian who in 1830 came to America to find out what actually made this a great nation. And it's a long quote, and we all have known uh, like a, what it really says has been often quoted. And the last few sentences of that was the reality of um, going into the, uh, the churches of America and hearing pulpits aflame with righteousness. And so the quote says that America is great because she is good, and if she ceases to be good, she'll cease to be great. Now, I can't find that in his Democracy in America book, <laughs> but he could have said it. <laughs> and so, um, and so uh, he did say that liberty cannot be established without morality, nor morality without faith. So there is this intrinsic synergy between the two, that faith breeds a certain morality and that morality enables people to become free. That it, that's what establishes liberty. And when we see that being taken away from us, as we see today, where freedom of speech is no longer free, you know, the things that, you know, people of my generation uh, protested about, that we should have freedom of speech for everybody now. It's only limited to the people who say that they're in charge of our national narrative and our, which is absurd, right? But this whole disingenuousness that we see around us um, is just maddening because you can't even logically be discuss things they with anybody can't, will, any longer. Um, well, or you'll be can't. Yes, my whole culture will be canceled. Um, you know. Uh, the, the whole thing of, you know, the white privilege um, where you assign, <laughs> and, and this is the biggest hypocritical thing of all, is that you disparage someone solely on the basis of their color, um, which is the very definition of racism. And then you say you want to discourage racism by encouraging the use of it. And you sit back and say, "How does that work? You cannot well, that hate division, people into loving right, that, you." And that's the thing that has that struck me work. about where we are yes. 
in every way right now is that the solution being posed in politics, uh, in race, across the board is often the proposal is often one that divides us further. And there's no way in my mind that the gospel would lead us toward dividing further with an end goal of somehow uniting. I don't, so I, I try to find, you know, I think we need to try to find ways to, and I know you do this in the book, common ground, despite our differences, the, the reality that you have this line, you know, there's no us versus them. It's just us. And I think, but that's not how we're talking. We have everybody wants the same right. goal, but a lot of people, if you don't agree, if you say something that, and listen, a lot of people say things because they don't understand an issue sometimes. And so rather than canceling them, sometimes there's these moments where we can actually help educate others and we can learn if we're on the other end of that. And yet we seek to sort of destroy people rather than, and really that's because we want them gone. We don't want to hear their perspective. You know, that's what this is really about. Um, and that's troubling to me. Right. It is troubling. And people have to understand <clears throat> the foundation of all this nonsense. It really starts with a politically correct agenda, which has its roots in Europe in Marxist thought. Um, and the reality of that was um, there has to be a good guy and a bad guy in order to throw off the yoke of oppression that all these people were under back then uh, in 19th century and 20th century Europe. Uh, and so this whole thought of um, there has to be someone that I can rail against who is keeping me down. I mean, that's the whole issue of Marxism. Um, <clears throat> you know, and the problem with Marx, of course, was that, you know, he understood, I think correctly, that people were exploited. You know, there were the, the, the class that was exploited and the class that were the exploiters. That was prevalent. And so you, so he had to come up with something that made people say, well, I'm going to revolt against somebody. And who is the somebody? You know, I have to have a good guy and a bad guy. The problem is, is that when that comes to this country in the 60s and takes root in our countercultural activity back then, which I remember all too well, um, <clears throat> it found a really fertile seedbed in order to grow in our nation um, and then infiltrate the college campuses to teach these principles to our children uh, who really didn't know any better and sounded very idealistic. So what we see today is the full grown evidence of all that, where uh, I have to have good versus bad. There has to be a, a bad person, a bad group, a victimized group in order to create this us versus them. So it's no longer trying to find common ground. Because that's not the issue. They don't want common ground. The whole ideology of that is not about finding resolution. It's about terror and intimidation in order to get my way. And so there was no, uh, when that was really brought home to me, when, you know, the New York Times, all the children in the newsroom stomped their feet like children in a supermarket <laughs> against a bedraggled parent to say, well, you can't possibly have an op-ed that takes a different position, you know, the Tom Cotton op-ed that, uh, and so the op-ed editor got fired, it, but, yeah. you know, for that. And, well, and what's so crazy about this whole thing is that the division that has abounded and everyone is blaming Trump for, he has not helped it, in my view, um, 
<laughs> everyone's blaming Trump. But at the end of the day, he has perpetuated it further. <laughs> but yet, so has everybody else. The media, the media for so long have pretended that this bias didn't exist, right? That these that these ideologies weren't there. And I, I actually think it's fascinating to watch Trump expose that inadvertently, <laughs> you know, with because of the reaction. And so what I think Correct. that calls all of us to is to do what you're doing here in this book is to try to pull everybody back. And, you know, you also address the fact that I think a lot of us and I know I've been guilty of this growing up and, and being in sort of the more conservative world of elevating the flag above the cross, of looking at our country. Everything is synonymous. You support everything America always does all the time because you're a Christian. And you're a Christian, so you support those things. And that's not—you have to pull back right. from that. And you love the country, of course, but realize that humans comprise and make up this this country and our government. Well— uh, absolutely. And, and that's why, as you quoted one of my lines, that when you raise the flag higher than the cross, you have a problem because you don't <clears throat> want to confront the issues of racism, which is true and accurate, which is, you know, something that you deal with uh, and needs to be dealt with uh, and reform. And you keep working at creating a better you. And that's the point. But you don't create a better you right. by killing you. You know, that doesn't work either. And so you can't take a spirit of finding out what is true and working to create a better you and then inserting into that a spirit of hate and violence and all these other things that are part of our culture now. <clears throat> so that's not the way the universe works. You just don't do that. Uh, de Tocqueville said another wonderful thing that nothing is more wonderful than the art of being free, but nothing is harder mm. to learn how to use than freedom. <laughs> and so, um, you know, we need to be cognizant that yes. freedom oh, no, so true. is fragile. So true. Um, <clears throat> it, right. It needs to be handled wisely, carefully, or it will uh, just be lost. And we cannot lose the thing that so many people gave lives for and dedicated themselves to their kids and their grandkids after them uh, and their kids after that. So that right now, you know, the essence is throw the baby out with the bathwater and let's just fill it in with whatever. Sounds more like what happened during the French Revolution, because that kind of spirit and mindset ultimately so eats my its own young. And so, well, that's, and my, my last question for you, because we've talked about a lot here, and I think all of this is incredibly important. We're heading into one of the most difficult. Everybody says, oh, it's going to be the craziest election. This will be probably the craziest election in American history, if not the last one. Um, but I think we're looking at some dark times ahead. And we've already I mean, we're only a little over halfway through 2020. And we have been in the midst of a ton of darkness and chaos and hatred and incivility. And so your book, I think, is an antidote to that. But what would you hope for the reader coming into this book after they finish it? What are you hoping they, they feel and think? Sure. <clears throat> Number one, I hope that they become more educated, that this book becomes a mirror so that they can see themselves better. They can understand issues better. Um, 
And it's not a matter of an ideology where ideas are more important than people. You know, uh, the moral compass, the true north is always going to be Jesus Christ. And so I do hope that they see themselves better, enable themselves to find and seek out what is true, understand that freedom, like I said, is fragile, um, and that they would understand um, that uh, we need to use our freedom in a way that builds up and serves others and establishes a true community where you find common ground with those unlike you. You listen to those who are saying things, even if they disturb you, and then you are able to say things to them to help them understand you better. So I, I, you know, my style is not to get in people's faces and, and say it's this or that or nothing at all. It's really to help be a mirror. Um, let's regain our common sense by regaining our moral compasses. Let's find our true north and get on that road. Um, because unless we do, we can't unite our nation until we unite ourselves. So the nation is not some corporate thing that exists beyond who we are. So as Jesus always said, it's not about you, it's beyond you. And you need a frame of reference and this moral compass in order to best understand yourself so if we want to reform anything in this country, whether it's racism or whether it's the government or whether it's the police or whatever, we first have to reform ourselves. Then we can go out and help others see what is true and beautiful and how freedom truly works. And it will um, really be in the spirit. Uh, I'm always um, reminded um, when I was 13, that's when uh, Dr. King gave his great speech on the mall, uh, which I consider to be, you know, his I Have a Dream speech, which I consider to be one of the top speeches in our nation's history. When he could say that, um, you know, he wishes, you know, for his four children to live in a land where they will not be judged by the color of the skin, but by the content of their character. And one, and that his dream was that, you know, black boys and girls would join hands with white boys and girls as sisters and brothers. Now that is what makes America good again. If we become good again like that, we will become a great nation. So again, greatness is about achievement. Goodness is about character. I hope people see the need to reestablish goodness. Uh, well, Joe, thank you so much for else. coming on the show today, and we will we'll have to have you back very soon to talk about this again because I think we're going to need to hear your wisdom. <laughs> well, well, always happy to be with you, uh, Billy, and to everyone who has heard this or who has listened to this. Thank you for the privilege. Thanks so much, Joe. Of your time. And that was Joe Battaglia. Always a fascinating interview. Gets us thinking, you know, what does it take to make America good again? What is our role, each of us individually, as we journey through our lives and 
we just interact with others and we live out that commandment, right? We look back to the Bible, we look at what Jesus says, love God, love others. You got to have a mixture of truth and love. You can't have too much truth and no love and you can't have all love and no truth. You have to have those two things. If you are not telling people the truth, you are not loving them. If you are only loving them, you are depriving them of truth. And so it's such a mixture, and we live in such a difficult world, but we have to aspire to do that in the way that Jesus calls us to. And the best way to do that, pray, seek, read, understand what it is that we're called to by reading the Word of God and by praying. And, you know, that's those are challenges I've struggled with. You know, my background is being in media, you know, going on TV, having arguments on podcasts, and it's not that I don't do those things anymore, but I really have tried to approach them in a very, very different way and in a kingdom-minded way, right? Why do we go out and talk about things? Why does it matter to have these conversations? At the end of the day, yes, you know, all of these things are important, politics and issues, but what is most important is whether or not people know Jesus, right? That is the core of what matters most. And if we have not led our lives in a way where that is at the center, then maybe we need to reassess how we're leading our lives. And so I'll leave it there for now, but pick up Make America Good Again. Let's make America a place where we can all be good to one another again, regardless of what we think, believe, or feel. Stay tuned for another episode, by the way, of the Edify podcast with Billy Hollowell. I'll be back next week. And by the way, before we head off here, hint, hint, we have a new podcast on Edify that is launching next week. And I'm just going to tell you, it's really, well, I'll just tell you, it's an exciting show. It's Abby Johnson, if you're not familiar with her. She is a pro-life leader, and it's a show called Politely Rude, Politely Rude with Abby Johnson. And so we're going to head out here, but I want to leave you, and this is exciting, with a little snippet of Abby talking about what you can expect from her new show. She did an appearance on the Church Boys podcast and talked all about Politely Rude with Abby Johnson. So take a listen to that, and I will see you guys next week for another episode of the Edify podcast. Abby, you have a new podcast coming, and it's coming in like a week. And it's called, I love the title, Politely Rude with Abby Johnson. So what can people expect from this podcast? Um. Well, they they can expect um, they can expect me talking, being very real, uh, as if I'm never not that. Being politely uh, rude, politely rude being is what you'll be. Politely rude, <laughs> um, but just you know, giving giving the real scoop on uh, not just life issues, but life issues. Right, that's sort of my wheelhouse. Um, but you know, also talking about other issues. I mean, you know, we've got to. Uh, you know, talking about issues that directly or indirectly affect life issues. I mean, look, I recognize that uh, abortion is a symptom of a a gross attack on the family that's taking place in our camp, in our country, and uh, we've got to talk more about that. And I plan on talking about that a lot. Uh, on my show. Thanks for listening to the Edify podcast. For more transformational and faith-inspiring podcasts, head over to edify.app where you can stream thousands of Christian shows right now. And for convenience on the go, download the Edify podcast app today from the Apple and Google Play stores and at edify.app.